Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. We're in a series right now. It's only a short one, but it's a series called Big. Big, B-I-G, because I've been hearing the Holy Spirit continually speaking to me about enlargement and about growth and about increase. And I know around the world it doesn't look like that is likely to happen. But I've learned that whatever He says will certainly come to pass. I think it's about six weeks ago now that I spoke the first of these messages out of Psalm 4 verse 1. In my distress, the Lord enlarged me. Well, then a couple of weeks later, well, last week actually, I spoke on the accidental call of God. That is the call that you don't know is God calling you. It's just that you see a need. You see something that ought to be different. And you say, I wonder what I could do to help. And then as you accept the challenge, you go on and begin to discover that God was in it all the time. Last Sunday night, I spoke on on the whole thing of enlarged through the ordinary, that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in all the oblivious, the anonymous, the invisible years to everyone but Him and His family. This morning, I want to speak to you on the indispensable characteristic of ongoing growing. Now, that's a mouthful, isn't it? What I want to talk to you about is the thing that'll surprise many, but it's actually a prerequisite for enlargement in your life continuing. A lot of people can have a meteoric rise. Fame can light on somebody. Somebody can get discovered, as we call about it. But we all know people, whether it's in the sporting field or whether it's in the, so the arts or whether it's in some kind of scientific endeavour or maybe it's in community service and out of their problem, out of the opportunity, they rise, but years later, they are not there. I've got to tell you, I like age. As in, I like the fact that Red Frogs has been going 20 years. I like the fact that it wasn't just a good idea at year one, year two, year three, year four, year five, and then it fizzled out. And I believe that the best days for us as a church and for many of these great ministries, that the best days are still in front of us. Tonight, by the way, Pastor Marcus Ardern is going to be speaking on living a spirit-led life. You won't want to miss that. It'll be great for sure. And just remember, by the way, all of our messages stay online. You can go back. I know lots of people that say, I got so much out of it the first time, but I got even more out of it the next time around. We finished though last week with Luke 2 verse 51. That was our last scripture, I think. It says that Jesus returned with them back to Nazareth with His parents. And it says, and He was subject to them. But His mother kept all these things in her heart. And I said last week how that everyone needs someone who can bring adjustment to them. You will never be what God wants you to be. You'll never become all that you can be if you insist on running your race entirely alone. 
an independent spirit will always make your life smaller ultimately, not larger. I know many people think that the opposite is so. We are used to famous people trumpeting that they're a self-made person. I'll never forget this quote I read somewhere years ago. I don't know who said it. But they said that a a person all wrapped up in themselves is a very small parcel. And isn't that true? You may be somebody in your own mind, but every one of us needs others around about us. Let's keep going on. Because God's plan for you is to enlarge and to increase your life. Let me show you a verse that most people have never thought of in terms of growth. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 6 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. How many people have ever heard that verse before? Lots of you have. And how many of you have ever realised that the first part is simply and only a condition for the second part? So in other words, it's not humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. Stop, just do that. God will like you for it. It says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that in order so that He can exalt you in due time. He said, if you will humble yourself, what I'm really wanting to see happen is to see you exalted. What God's plan is, is not for you to be a little thing climbing up rather than a big thing coming down. He'd rather that you be a little thing climbing up that becomes larger and larger in terms of your influence, in terms of your ability to resource, in terms of the impact that your life has. He'd rather that you get larger and larger. Therefore, humble yourself so that He might exalt you in due time. Here's another one, James chapter 4 and verse 6 says this, but He gives more grace. Who wants more grace in their life? We all do. Therefore, He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. In other words, if I will humble myself, We'll come to what that means in a minute because some of you already, your brain has clicked to the wrong place for this message. You're already thinking about how you've got to just sit there and be meek and quiet and be unnoticed and make sure that you just blend into the background, that you live the beige Christian life. Some of you, maybe that's where the teaching that you got in the church you grew up in comes from. But my Bible says that He gives grace to humble people. Grace, they're charis. It's the word for gifting. It's the word for supernatural hand of God on your life. It's more than just God. Grace is not God going, oh, you poor pathetic thing. Don't worry, I forgive you. Don't worry, I like you anyway, even though you're miserable and useless. Don't worry. That is not grace from the Bible's perspective. Grace from the Bible's perspective is when I, knowing my frailty and my weakness and out of humility come to God and He empowers my life to do far more than I ever could have imagined I would have been able to achieve, that the grace of God on my life rises my life, lifts my life, and I find myself in a place where I have to say, That wasn't me and my effort alone. 
there's the hand of God. You know, I pray that my life, I really do pray this, by the way. I pray that my life will always have the unmistakable sign that God was there. I pray God do something so phenomenal that no one will ever imagine it was me. I don't want to live a life, a big life, a big Jeff life. I want to live a big grace life, something larger, so that everybody will look around and go, that had to be God because He's not that smart. He's not that good looking. And He's certainly not that experienced. Look what's happening. It must be God. Give me an amen if that's you. Amen. See, apparently even humility is designed by God to enlarge your life. So those of you who go, I'm just going to be humble. And when everyone says to me, would you come and do this? You go, oh no, I can't, I'm too humble. You know, oh no, I can never do that. I can never stand on the stage. I oh, know I'm too humble. And you'll think that you're being spiritual, but you're not because God will keep knocking on the door and say that you got it wrong. Because when I say to you, when you are humbling yourself, here's the end result. I'll see you lifted up. Amen. Now I know even that for some of you right now, you're going, well, that's not what they taught me. I'd rather be a little thing climbing up than a big thing coming down. I'd rather be poor with a humble heart than rich and lose my crown. I'd rather be, I can't remember the rest of it. Thank God I forgot the last bit. It was probably worse. Amen. Come on, I, I want everybody. I'm not looking for a congregation that's just nice and obedient. I'm looking for an army of people that say, can I have a part of this vision? Can I be a part of what God is doing? Come on, I don't mind which part I get to play. I'll be in the praying part. I'll be in the paying part. I'll be in the playing part. I'll be in any kind of part I can get in. Just give me a space. I want to do something for God. Amen. Now, before we kind of stumble and leave this traditional idea of what humility looks like, let me take you to one that most people think exemplifies humility. John 13, verse 3. And Jesus, I feel like I really need a bit of organ music at the back of this. You know what I mean? I feel like I need just, a, you know, a little bit of, I don't know, a bit of religious kind of sound about it, you know. And Jesus, knowing that the Father, I don't know why I should do an American accent, apologies to all the Americans. Knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands and that He'd come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside His garments, took a towel and girded Himself and washed the disciples' feet. I've seen that done in conferences where it was meant to exemplify some kind of phenomenal humility that the person was saying, I'm no better than anyone else. But that's not what those verses say. Put them up again, please. Let me read it to you again. And Jesus, knowing, not what I hope, not what I think, and Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands. That He had come from God and that He's going to God. There's no sense of I'm a nobody 
let me prove to you what a servant I am. Rather, the key to this passage is when Jesus does it. He doesn't do it at the beginning of His ministry, when He first recruits the apostles, when the disciples first join team. He doesn't do it then when He might be understood to be wanting to show them how to be a servant leader. He actually doesn't do it then. He does it after He's walked on water. He does it after He's raised the dead. He does it after He has confounded the Pharisees. He's done it after every single creative miracle you can think of has taken place. And He has demonstrated again and again and again and again that He was Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, that He was God in a body on the earth. The key to this is when He does it. He doesn't put Himself down. He's not diminishing His calling at all. The reality is that a truly humble person has got nothing left to prove. If you're truly humble, you don't have to prove you're humble. You just are. And you don't prove you're humble by deflecting every compliment that comes your way. You don't prove you're humble by every time someone asks you to do something, trying to demonstrate how inadequate you feel. Now, I know that's what church has taught a lot of people. Religion has, you know, tried to persuade us that God just wants mindless, empty-pocketed, empty-minded people to slavishly track along behind. Nothing could be further from the truth. God's looking for large people. Otherwise, why would He say, if you will humble yourself, I will exalt you. But God, I don't want to be exalted. He goes, shut up, it comes with it. Are you with me? This is a bit of a wrestle. It's a bit of a wrestle because most of us have got the wrong idea about what humility is. We've met people that were braggarts. We're always telling you how good they are. We go, we don't want to be that. So we go right to the other end of the spectrum and choose some kind of proud inferiority. Let me give you a definition of humility that might help. Humility is openness to growing in every season of life. Humility is an openness to growing. Think about Joseph. He was willing to grow in every season. When he was in Potiphar's house as a slave, he grew. When he went to the prison, he grew. And guess what happened? What happened was 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, Therefore humble yourselves that He may exalt you in due time. He ends up prime minister of the whole of Egypt. Why? Because he said, I'm going to learn everything I can regardless of the season I'm in. Let me take you to a verse that I've never heard anybody ever preach on ever in all my life. And, and I've, when I've heard discussions about the key to David's victories, I've never heard anyone ever reference this verse. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 21, prior to Goliath. And after David's killed lion and bear as the shepherd boy and been anointed king, so David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armour bearer. I want you to get the picture. 
David's anointed to be king. He doesn't know about Goliath, but God gives him an apprenticeship in the art of armour and war. He handles it every day. When Saul puts his armour on, David's the one who helps put it on him. David gets to handle the sword. David gets to pick up the shield. He gets to watch warriors engaging in their skill of fighting. And I've got no doubt at all that in watching all of that, David is learning all the time. So when this behemoth called Goliath turns up, clothed head to foot in armour, bigger than any he's ever seen, David has learned what the weak points are before he gets there. Now, I've never heard anyone say that. And I can't prove that that's true. But I wonder if David did not sing this guy, remember the time he'd put the helmet on Saul's head and noticed that there was a part of the forehead that was left uncovered. There's no point me trying to go with that sword. It's this huge, it's javelins like a weaver's beam. The shield is taller than I am. I'd never succeed that way. But then he remembers putting the helmet on Saul's head. Maybe that's why he went down to the brook and picked up five smooth stones. Maybe he learned something in the season of serving that taught him how to defeat a giant. I do know this, the divine favour always asks you to serve before you soar. Before you rise, God will ask you to serve. Before God exalts you, He says you humble yourself. David learned something in serving the king. He learned something. Many of us here are in seasons. I was speaking to someone via text this morning. They're not here in Perth, but they were talking to me about the difficulties of the season that they're in right now. I have no advice other than this. Listen to God. Serve God. Find a way to be a part of the answer. Listen to me. Find a way to be a part of the answer in whatever season you're in. Some of you are in a time of sickness. Can you find a way to be a part of the answer? Can you find a way to be a blessing to others? Please don't wait until something changes or else you will miss the opportunity to grow in every season. I believe it's not where you are, but it's who you are, where you are that matters. It's not where you are, but it's who you are, where you are that matters. I think about this wonderful uh, psalmist in Psalm 4 verse 1 who says, In my distress, I had an appetite to grow and so the Lord enlarged me. I think about Philip, the guy who goes down to Samaria and preaches an entire city turns to Christ. Most of us would go, I've achieved everything. I park, I stop. But when the Lord says to him, go down to the road, out in the middle of nowhere, I've seen it on a map, it's in the middle of nowhere. And when he says, go down there, 
and just wait. This guy is still growing. Listen to me. He's still growing in his season of success. How many people have you met who once they get the title, once they get the corner office, once they get the graduation certificate, they stop growing from that point on. Philip keeps growing despite being the first and only person of the New Testament that sees an entire city come to Christ. It's remarkable. And I love the fact that in the middle of that, he doesn't go, hey, I'm not going down to that road. You've got to be kidding me. Don't you know who I am? Look, these people need me. He says, I'm ready to change. Come on, are you in a season of great blessing? Are you still saying, Lord, what can I learn today? Can you teach me something? I think about past failures though as well. I think about Peter who failed so miserably when it came to his life for Christ. He denied him after all those years of saying, I'll do anything. Then he fails him. Denies him before a little servant girl. But you know, Peter keeps growing through personal failure. Come on, some of you here, you've failed miserably. You've failed your convictions. You've failed your family. You've failed your commitments. Well, you can either go and hide in a corner somewhere or other and say to yourself, well, that's the end of me. Or else you can say, you know what? I'm going to grow in every season. So I'm going to grow despite my personal failures. Let me read to you just that first verse again of 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. It says, Therefore, humble yourselves. It doesn't say pray and ask God to do it. Oh, Lord, don't come out for prayer saying, Oh, I just need to be humble. The Bible says this is something you've got to do. Now, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to read you a lot of the Bible. When I say a lot, we often just read a verse or two. I'm going to read a whole chunk. Because I read this during the week and thought what a perfect picture it is of what true humility looks like. So join with me. This is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I'm reading out of the message version of the Scripture. Verse 1 says, So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture around you uh, sorry, don't, no, I'll come back. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity into you. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then as every one of you does in pure grace, it's important that you do not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. 
No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what He does for us, not by what we are and what we do for Him. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of His body. But just as a chopped off finger or cut off toe wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvellously functioning parts in Christ's body, if we find ourselves like that, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help, don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Love from the centre of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the Master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. That's so blunt, isn't it? Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Isn't that a brilliant, brilliant understanding and a great picture of what it means to be humble? See, humility is not the way down. It's actually the way up. I know that's so different to a celebrity-soaked world where everyone wants not 15 seconds of fame. They want a life full of fame. And God says, I'm calling you to be humble so you can grow, so you can be enlarged. I was asking Hayden earlier at Church News about his water baptism because it is a special thing and I'm looking forward to uh, to Sunday's time when we'll be doing that right in the service. You can be a part of it. It'll be right in the middle of the service. If you've never been water baptised, go talk to someone at the Connect Hub or send us your email. We'd love to let you know some teaching and some help on that. But water baptism, as he said, is an outward sign of something that's already started on the inside. And that's when someone says yes to Christ. To this day, to this day, the greatest joy any of us know is seeing another person say yes. 
It's one more person texting in that yes to 488 or emailing their yes at yes.metrochurch.org.au. People do it every week and it's one of the highlights for me of the entire week, even if I don't know your name or even where you are. I celebrate with you that you've started a work with Jesus. You've said yes to Him. He said this, listen to it. He said, behold, I stand at the door. I knock. If anyone, I love that part of that verse. It says, if anyone hears my voice, not the people that have got it all together or the people that have fixed all their problems or the people that have proven themselves. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, he says, I'll come into them. That's all it takes for you to have Jesus in your life is for you to say yes to him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for people right now, wherever they are, that are going to humble themselves and say, Jesus, I need you. Lord, I've tried it on my own. It hasn't gone as well as I hoped. There's something still missing, despite the achievements or the success, and even despite the failures and the mistakes. Lord, something's missing, and I want you in my life. I'm saying yes to you today. Thank you for coming into my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, I pray that this week will be a week where we all practice true humility. Being a part of the answer for someone else's life. Finding a way to be a blessing. Watch what God does in your life as you go on the journey of what He calls true humility. Watch how He expands and uses your life. Amen. Amen.